extricated from the world, there's a vacuum. And that vacuum doesn't remain a vacuum. It's filled. It's filled with every false delusion, every antichrist religion, and every idea imaginable. And what we are being left with is a world that really is searching for love, and it's really searching for justice, but it isn't there. And when you can't find what you want, you start to create. You start to create your own. And the fact is, the farther we step away from God, the more self-centered we become to the point that even the idea of love is now self-serving. So the world is moving farther and farther from being God-centered to self-centered. And the more self-centered we are, the more self-righteous we become. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Anger and hate is now the flavor of the day, and it's easy to be drawn in. I get drawn in. As Christians, though, we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to buy into the direction the world's going in. So what do we do? How can we fight against the darkness? Well, you know what? On our own, we can't. I can't. As much as I want to, as much as I want to go out there swinging. And I'm reminded of God's message. Uh, if you look back in, in uh, Exodus, and God's people are standing between uh, Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, and Moses said to the people, he said, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will, he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. That's so powerful. Folks, it's God's fight. It's God's fight. And the armor that we're going to be talking about has no use for going in and fighting hand to hand. It's given to us for our protection. Jesus teaches that I'm supposed to love my enemies. I'm supposed to pray for those who persecute me. I don't know about you, but the truth is I'm more inclined to, to respond in kind. It's kind of where I go to. I don't really always respond in Christ. You know, I struggled with that most of my life, and I still do. As the world seems to get worse, I, I easily find myself just jumping in and going along with the ride, being part of the attack, and, and it bothers me. And I don't know if you guys s struggle with that as well. But I look at what Jesus endured, that the hatred, the anger, the lies, and how he responded. Not in kind, that's for sure. Not like I do, often. His response was the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And here I am jumping in with the flesh so often. 
you know, every day, really for me, and I don't know if it's for you, but I feel like the enemy's advancing, the enemy's advancing, the enemy's advancing. He's moving ahead on a global scale. He's moving ahead on personal levels. And the fact is, because of my flesh, I want to jump in. I want to start swinging. But the truth is, I'll never be, be victorious in that battle, ever. Because it's not that kind of battle for you and I. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And we need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that daily. So that brings us to the armor of God, the whole armor of God, because we need God's help desperately if you and I are going to have any success in the battles that lie ahead in our lives. The devil knows his time is short. You guys know that. I know that. And he's going to turn up the heat in these last days. And he's going to especially turn it up on us believers. We're going to be tested. We're going to be sifted. And on the surface, things can look pretty bleak. But if we stand still, be silent for a moment, we'll see that God is right there. He's reaching and calling out from the darkness. He always does. He's reaching into the fire and he's pulling out literally thousands of people. What you watch going on in the Middle East and what you don't hear often is God's reaching out and speaking through dreams and through visions and he's pulling people out of this darkness. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. And people who from your perspective or my perspective, whether it's somebody you know close or you watch from a distance, people who seem so hard and unreachable are answering his call. And it's amazing to me. And you know what? He's calling you as a believer. And he's calling me as a believer. He's testing your faith. He's testing my faith. He's testing our resolve. And he's testing our unity as a body. Will we stand up for each other as the days darken? Or are we going to buckle? Are we going to fall apart under the pressure are we going to turn from each other? Are we going to come at each other? Will we teach and preach the hard truths of God as the world turns away? Or are we going to simply tickle ears and take the easy road? It's our choice. There's always been a spiritual war going on, always. The Bible is full of examples. But I think now, like never before, things are going to start to get hot. The question is, are we ready? Are you ready for battle? Are you prepared? Am I prepared? Are we ready to pay any price for Jesus? A great question to ask ourselves. 
am I ready to pay any price for Jesus? Because he was certainly ready and willing for me and for you. And you know what? If I'm going into battle, personally, I want to know what kind of soldier is going with me. I want to be a good soldier myself, standing with other good soldiers that are going to stand firm and give their all for God. Give their all for each other. I'd like my fellow soldiers to be in shape, spiritual shape, of course, clothed in, in the, the battle gear that's necessary for doing battle. So my question this morning is, again, are you ready? Because trouble's coming, like it or not, and we are either on one side or the other. There's no middle ground. Remember Jesus' word to the, to the church of Laodicea? I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot, but that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. What a harsh word, but a true, true word. You know, Jesus is coming. But until then, if we want to stand firm, if we want to have the kind of spiritual success that God wants us to have, we need to be ready in the right way. And thankfully, we have a pretty good blueprint from God on how to do just that. So let's turn to Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter 6, verse 10. And the first thing that Paul says here, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You might read that and go, okay. What does that look like? What does that mean for me? Well, firstly, to have any lasting victory, we need to be strong in Christ. The truth is, we can be in Christ, but not strong in Christ. New believers aren't strong in Christ. That's why as a body, we come together, we support them, we pray for them, we teach them. And some long-term believers are not strong in Christ. They never needed to be. Life's been too easy. So, how do we become strong in Christ? How do you get in shape? You got to train. Just like physical training, just like going to the gym, going out for a run, whatever it is, spiritual training takes time, and it takes effort on your part and on my part. And the result of that trading is this greater spiritual strength. Why? Because we come to know him better. We, we start to know and understand ourselves better and just how lacking and weak and incapable we are. If you and I are going to stand in battle for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need more of him, less of us. And we gain that by knowing him intimately, truly knowing him. Jesus himself warned that, warned that not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He also said that on that day, many, and that's kind of frightening, 
on that day many will say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then he says, will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. So it's imperative, imperative that we read his word, study his word, fellowship with him, pray. Know his promises. Truly know him. Because when you know somebody, the better I know somebody, my good friends in life that I know, I trust them. I trust them because they, they've proven it to me. And we will start to trust Christ more. And we start to grasp who it is that dwells within us and empowers you and I to take us through these difficult times, these battles. We will know without any doubt that there is none mightier. Do you know in your heart there is none mightier? None. That's when you and I are going to be strong in the Lord. And then when we step out into the battle or are thrown into it, in one way or another in our lives, we start to truly witness the power of his might and we see power coming alive. You know what? Power is might put into action. Might is like the muscle. It's there. But power is the use of that muscle. And don't we want him using that muscle in our lives? Do you want him using that muscle in your life? I know I do. I need it. And while we're learning and growing in the Lord, he's putting us through boot camp. You know, we're talking about armor. We're talking about battle. Well, you know what? We've got to go through boot camp. I don't like boot camp. But you know what? It brings us to a place of greater trust and greater faith. So we have him working and us working, and the result is this man and woman strong in the Lord. Now, why do you think the boss Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might first? It's the first thing he talks about chapter in this armor of God. Why not just go right to putting on the armor? Well, you know what? Every soldier needs to be trained, needs to be strengthened. They don't just, here, here's your uniform, you're going out, you're in battle, there. good luck to you. If we go out with some, without any basic training in our lives, and we think we can just skip over it, we're going to be ineffective. And we're going to be pretty easy to beat by the enemy. So first and foremost, we need that deep and intimate knowledge and trust in our Lord because that's where the real strength and power to defeat the enemy is coming from. We need boot camp. And then we put on the armor. Verse 11 goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. A long time ago, many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. 
um, I took some martial arts training. And the first thing we were taught was how to stand. First thing I wanted to do was, okay, show me some stuff. Show me some moves. But no, you got to learn how to stand. It was about finding a stance that was firmly grounded so that when the enemy came and tried to knock you off balance, it was difficult. And if you were knocked off balance because of that stance, it was easier to recover. So we trained to stand first, and then by knowing how to stand, we learned how to withstand everything that the enemy could throw at us. You could absorb the blows, roll with the punches, so to speak, and then come back to stand. And Paul says here that we are to put on the whole armor of God. Doesn't say, you know what, put on a piece here and there. Talks about the whole armor of God. It's by the whole armor that we stand against the schemes of the devil. It says to me, the little bit of armor here and there isn't going to do it. Every weakness needs a corresponding piece of armor, a piece of protection in our lives. So he goes on in verse 12 to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's quite a statement. The enemy is strong. Is he all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present? No. But he is powerful, and he's beyond my ability and your ability to stand against on our own. As much as we can think we can, you know what, I'm just, I am so spiritually strong. I don't really need to read my Bible every morning. I don't need, I can, you know, if something comes, psh, I got it. Because I've, I'm spiritually powerful. We need the power of God to be able to stand. You know, I'm doing my quiet time in, in Job right now. And Job tells us what Satan's power can do to a man's body, home, wealth, friends, And with social media at his beck and call, he can destroy career, careers, reputations. And we're told that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That he is wise and subtle and masquerades as an angel of light. And so Paul reiterates in verse 13, again, he says, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all, having done all, to stand firm. You know, I don't know who watches TV and who doesn't hear, but, um, and I don't watch the program, but it annoys me like never before. Um, they put on this new program, it's called Lucifer. And 
you, I get once in a while a little clip comes up and what it seems to be is the devil's in the world and and he's working with people and he really and he's helping them kind of fight mysteries and crimes and stuff he, he's almost portrayed as kind of the good guy and I think what in the world because people watch that and you can get that false sense of oh it's really not so bad and it's a lie television has been responsible for the moral decay of the world like you can't believe so Paul says in verse 14 stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness he starts with truth now for a Roman soldier this particular belt is it isn't part of the armor its function was to hold the undergarments and, and uh, it holds them in place it allows the arm and armor to function smoothly it allows the uh, the soldier to be unhindered who knows without it maybe they're out there fighting with a Roman wedgie I don't know but if we aren't anchored in the truth the armor will not and cannot function properly and we will be defeated by the well-armored and very efficient enemy you know the world today has been fooled into believing that the truth is a relative concept there is no real truth come on my truth is what I decide truth to be what an awesome awesome way for the enemy to win a battle before it's even started to render the armor useless by the mere omission of something as seemingly benign as this little belt the truth remove the truth and you and I are lost so I'd say it's pretty important and if you're struggling with the truth today my suggestion is figure it out trust in God 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God breathed if there's doubt in that statement for the Christian then the battle is lost before it's even begun so when I sit down and I say you know what God says all scripture is God breathed all scripture is God breathed end of story it's not for me to argue with not for me to contend with that's the way it is and Paul then adds this breastplate righteousness I think this is important for all of us to understand to grasp no matter what our perception is in regard to any battles we're in righteousness is the go-to trump card the breastplate sits here and it protects my heart and it protects your heart you deal a blow to the heart and once again not a good thing battles pretty much over think of what righteousness is 
what it means for you, what it means for me, because of the power that it carries, that right standing with God. We have right standing with God Almighty, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. And we have a right standing. We have victory because of the righteousness we have through Jesus Christ. We win. Don't ever forget that. Without righteousness, we don't have victory. And when you doubt your righteousness, when I doubt my righteousness, you know what? That, the heart becomes ex- exposed. You start believing, oh, I'm condemned. I really am condemned. If you truly have Jesus in your heart, you are not condemned. Satan may come against you and I on a personal level. He may gather his forces, kind of like we see today in the world. But in Jesus, we have victory. Remember that. We are uncondemnable and undefeatable. Say that with me. I am uncondemnable and undefeatable. Know that in your heart. Truth and righteousness win the day today and tomorrow and for all eternity. How wonderful. And in verse 15 he says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It's funny, we were just talking about shoes at my my house. My, My wife went and counted just my shoes that are downstairs by the back door. My name's Ken Scheel, and I'm a shoeaholic. <laughs> I had, I think, 12 pairs just downstairs, and I just gave three away to the Salvation Army. I like shoes. Is an outfit really complete without complimentary, good-looking pair of shoes? My wife would say no. You might be dressed up looking good, but without the shoes, you're just not really there. You're not really looking the part. And if you're a hiker, think of a hiker. How far are you going to get without shoes that prepare you for the obstacles along the way? We live in a time when there's uh, a right shoe for virtually every occasion. It was a time when people just, you know what, I got one pair of shoes, and that's all I wear. Now there's shoes for dressing up and dressing down and going to the beach and the different colors of the same shoe. That's me, different colors of the same runner. Uh, I got a problem. <laughs> and we want those shoes to be reliable. We want them to be well-made shoes. They should show that I'm ready for the task at hand, whatever that might be. You know, on the farm, it was boots. Had to wear boots. You ever met somebody or pick somebody up from a function of some kind and they're wearing shoes that don't shoot, suit the occasion? Yeah, you want to say, you know what, go change your shoes, man. This, you can't go like that. You're not ready for what's ahead. We're going to a big gala and you got your hiking boots on. When my daughter got married, and we're, you know, it's the day of the wedding, and we're at the little church in Davis Bay, and uh, 
I hadn't worn this pair of little you know, dress shoes for a long time. I don't dress up much. So I put on these dress shoes, and I'm looking pretty good with my suit and everything, and I'm, we're, we're at the church, and Susan's got me working, and we're putting up flowers on things, and all of a sudden, I'm, something's wrong with my feet. Like, it was just odd. And I look down, and the shoes have completely disintegrated. Like, the soles have come, uh, come off, and I just have feet going through the top of the shoe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta go change my shoes. And it's, it was uh, in July and they had the car show going and the town is full of people and I gotta zip home, put on new shoes, come back, walk my daughter down the aisle and I don't do really great under stress. The older I get, the, the more I suffer from anxiety, I think. And holy cow, what, a, what an ordeal. But in this case, we're talking about the shoes are the gospel. It's the gospel that pulls it all together, pulls the outfit together. You know what? There's many beliefs out there that will call themselves the truth. Many belts that people put on, so to speak. There are truths that come with ideas or breastplates that point to so-called paths to righteousness. There are people that claim to have the outfit. But what do they have? nothing if they don't have the right shoes. They have nothing if they do not have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the shoes, they don't work. It's worthless armor, so worthless that the enemy rarely has to bother attacking. And you know what? For you and I as believers, we need to be careful with the shoes, the gospel because there are antichrists out there, out there, that love to make their own adjustments to those shoes, change the laces, maybe, you know, a little insole here or there. They take that gospel of Jesus Christ and they, you know what, let's change it a little bit. Let's change those shoes a little bit. I need a bigger, a higher soul, no pun intended. So what you and I have to do is know the shoes, know the gospel, and wear them as God has presented them. So now, according to Paul, we're armored up. There's nothing left to put on. We have the truth of God's word. We have righteousness in Jesus Christ, and we have the gospel. And now it brings us, which all three, pardon me, lead us to uh, our path, our, our service. And these are all the basics for the battle. They're our protection, our guarantee, but now there's some tools. God provides tools for the battle. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Faith the shield, which if it's strong, can't be penetrated. Faith adds that extra layer of protection to our armor. And do you see how faith takes us back full circle, back to verse 10 again, where we were told to be strong in the Lord? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, which was part of our training, which makes us strong in the Lord 
which increases our faith, which heals us from the darts of the enemy. It's like this circle. God's ways are so intertwined, and it's, to me, it's amazing. So we take up this shield, we take up this faith, and we take it up day by day, because we're going to need it every day. And you think of all the darts of the enemy, the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, the thing, and things like these. Add on depression, disobedience, false doctrine. It's dart after dart after dart after dart after dart. There's so many. And there are whatever you and I can think of that may come against us, things we may not even be aware of. Because the things not of the fruit of the Spirit, anything not from God, Every day they can be something brand new. So what do we do? Well, to start each day, we should take a moment. Take a moment and just armor up. Start with the Word. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Start with the Word of God first thing in the morning, if you can. Be reminded of your righteousness through Christ every day. And before you walk out the door, ask yourself, where's my shield? Where did I leave that? I got my armor, but now I need that shield. I need that faith today. Not just for the big battles but for those little subtle ones that come out of nowhere. Those are the ones that kick me. Those little, mm, that's just, you think, wow, I didn't even see that coming. Folks, we're going to need our shield. We're going to need it more and more day by day. Keep it handy. Work on it. Take care of it. Strengthen it. Build it up so that it covers you from head to toe. And you know what? In turn, it's going to strengthen you. And it's going to strengthen me. And did you know that your faith will help me with my faith? And my faith will help you with your faith. And I've seen some people in some really horrendous situations in their lives. And the strength of their faith knocks me to my knees it's amazing and we should be taking that in when you see somebody that's got that kind of faith when they're facing death when they're facing destruction in their life and their faith is rock solid stand by them they're the ones you need to be close to because there's something to learn there's something to put in your heart If we have nothing else today, if you have nothing else today, pick up your shield. Have faith today. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
the helmet. We need to remember that Satan wants to attack your mind and my mind. For me, he's got not as much to work with <laughs> or work against. The Christian that studies God's word is not easily led astray. We need to learn and know the truths of the word of God and wear those truths as a helmet of protection against the lies of the enemy because they're out there. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. Now this is the only offensive weapon talked about here. It's the only one God provides. Hebrews 4.12 says, compare, uh, pardon me, Hebrews 4.12 compares the word of God to a sword because it's sharp and it's able to pierce the inner man just as the material sword does. The sword of the spirit is living and it's powerful. The spirit wrote the word. The spirit welds the word as we take it by faith and use it. So we have to know it. We have to believe it. You can't wield God's word if you don't fully believe in it and trust in it. We can't go into battle full of doubt. Can't believe that the sword we weld is somehow flawed. I was giving a message one time. I don't even know where it was. And sometimes I come across a little strong. My wife always says, you know, to taper that down. So, but we were talking about God's word. And, of course, I said, you know what? If you're sitting here today and you don't believe in the unerring word of God, if you sit and try to pick apart the Bible and you don't believe that it's all the word of God and, and there's just some things in here that just aren't so, I said, please, on your way out, throw it in the garbage and don't waste your time. We need to know the truth in its entirety and we need to stand on it. We have to weld God's word with all the authority that's behind it. And how can we believe in that authority, believe in that authority if we doubt his word? So know it, practice it, find victory in it. And finally, verses 18 to 20, and I'll wrap up there. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Going into battle without prayer. If I give you no other advice today, one of the greatest things you can do every day before you walk out of the door is just spend a little time with the Lord. Lord, be with me today. Carry me through this day. Help me to glorify you today. Strengthen me in, against any attacks today. Invite him into your day. Every army has its commander in chief, and so do you and so do I. Prayer shows us that we can't fight the battle on our own strength. I can't tell you how many times I've put on the armor and charged ahead thinking, you know what? I got it from here, Lord. <laughs> I got it. I got it. 
thinking that I'm all that in a bag of chips spiritually, forgetting that God is the one who really is the might and the power. And Paul says to pray in the Spirit, which keeps us in God's will and out of our own agenda, out of our own selfish ambitions. He says to pray with, pray with all prayer and supplication, which means there is more than one kind of praying. You can add to that list intercession, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is powerful prayer. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. In the good times and the bad, everyone needs prayer. Everyone needs to be praying. And if the enemy is bringing on the battle, ongoing prayer means you and I are ready before it even arrives. We're ready during the fight. And after it's over, we're strengthened. If it's really about spiritual battles in your life and my life, and not the battles of the flesh, as we're being told here it is, then we need to be in prayer all the time. That doesn't mean 24-7. It just means throughout your day, throughout your evening. Remember God. Speak with Him. Pre-battle is our everyday communication with God. Asking for guidance, asking for protection before we've even begun the day. During the battle, we seek God's wisdom. We seek His strength. We seek His comfort. Post-battle, is where we praise and honor him because he, after all, was the strength and the comfort through it all. Without prayer, we go out to that daily grind, that daily battle, and you're kind of leaving God sitting at home on the couch. We can be unprepared for the enemy that's always, always, always prepared. He doesn't take a t any time off, doesn't take any naps, and he's out to win every time at any cost. As a matter of fact, without prayer, we aren't really in the battle at all. Because without prayer, we aren't spiritually involved. So the battle is really one-sided. And a one-sided battle is really a massacre. So we pray, pray with all prayer and supplication. And we go to battle not for just ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters as well. Making supplication for all the saints. You know what? If, if I'm just in this fight just for me, there's something wrong with my heart. Or to be called to be loving to everyone. But above and beyond that, you and I are called to be loving and battle-ready for each brother and sisters that we have in Christ. First and foremost. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. You know what? We're to have our greatest love apart from God for each other, for our family. That's why Paul asks for the saints to pray for, for, for him. He says, you know what? Pray for me. He, know, he knows God responds to the body that prays with one heart and one mind. 
There's a power in corporate prayer. I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. And if you don't believe that, just start praying with your wife or your husband or your family or your friends and watch what happens. I've prayed on my own with, for my daughter. and I've prayed with my wife with, for my daughter. And I've got to tell you, it cranks it up a notch. Now, part of the reason I wanted to talk about spiritual warfare and the armor of God is because the love, as I said before, of many grows cold. And it's growing coldest for Christians. In the last century alone, 45 million Christians have died for their faith. We are now considered the most persecuted religion on the planet. And every day we lose more and more of our religious rights and our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you couple that with what seems to be a general increase in rebelliousness in the world and disrespect for each other among the populations of the world. Throw in social media for good measure and I'd say that we're going to need the full armor of God as much as ever to withstand what's coming. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to pray for each other, go to battle for each other, whether it's here or halfway across the the world, you and I are going to have to be strong to not let the attitudes of the world turn us away from our Christian obligations and who we are or who we are to be called in Christ. We've got to be on guard always, being careful to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I love that. I love that, that verse. Hate seems to be the flavor of the day, yet we're called to be bold and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for the salvation, for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? Amen. I'm going to call the word.